This is the Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Mike Lynch. We're here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays to explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Big money, that's what we are talking about today. And sports. And a big day, I'm just going to say it right up top for Michael Barr, because today we are speaking with the CEO of FanDuel, Matt King. Matt, really glad to have you with us. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm going to break tradition here. Usually I ask the first question. I am turning this over, this first question over to Michael Barr, because I know he has more questions than we have time for. Barr, take it away. Don't worry, fellas. I got this. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me tell you how much I'm jonesing for this interview. Yes, right. I said jonesing on the air. That's right. Uh, usually I do in any interview. I have the lights on in the studio and I'm going through the notes. All the lights are off in the studio, and the only thing missing now is a Budweiser because I got a lot of questions from a guy who is uh, a gambler himself. So my first question is, DraftKings, how is that now they're saying that uh, an analyst, your competitor, they can survive – with Major League Baseball, you know, there are quotation marks there, because of the bubble sports of the NBA and the NHL coming up. And I'm wondering, what about you guys at FanDuel? Do you guys see it the same way? Sure. I mean, I think from our perspective, you know, we are in a position where, you know, we think we can kind of not only survive, but also thrive. Obviously, that kind of in the context of a lot of businesses that are having real challenges, not just in sports and outside of sports. Um, But if you look at our business, what makes us unique is we're the most diverse online gaming business out there. In addition to fantasy sports and sports betting, we have online casino. We also actually have the biggest online horse racing business in the country. And we've been fortunate that the casino and the horse racing business have really been growing uh, dramatically year over year. We also operate a poker business in the U.S. Um, that's doing very nicely. Sure do. And you know, was that <laughs> said? Sure do. I was on there a couple we, of days ago. <laughs> yep, that we do. So you know, our tagline is "More Ways to Win." And so when we look at it, you know, that's really what we're trying to deliver. So we got kind of businesses that are uninterrupted by COVID, like uh, poker and casino. And then you have businesses like sports betting and fantasy where we've just been trying to drive as much creativity in there to keep people engaged. Um, Even if revenue's down, we want to make sure we're still delivering a great experience and great excitement to our customers. And so, Matt, tell us what it's been like, you know, since the the shutdown running the business, maybe some of the things that we might not expect or might be surprised to hear in terms of even just the operations of FanDuel. Yeah, that's no, a great question. I mean, obviously, every day has been a new challenge. And you know, particularly in the early days, the uncertainty created a lot of tricky issues just in terms of how you manage the business. We've always been a remote business where we have a lot of people in the office, but it was always distributed. Um, so we kind of made the transition to working from home pretty seamlessly. We focused, obviously, on health and safety first, making sure people were kind of at home, had any resources they needed. But then what really has been uh, impressive to watch is the creativity of the team and also the way the team pulled together to deliver a great customer proposition. If you take our fantasy sports business, very early on, we gave a a quick direction to that team that said, look, fantasy is reliant largely on the big four sports historically. 
without the big four sports, it's going to be hard to generate and recover a lot of the revenue. But what we can do is focus on engaging our users. And so we did everything from you know, democratic debate fantasy to uh, we actually were doing free-to-play games on Madden simulations. And so just giving people something new every day to do in a way that retained you know, more than 50% of our customers on the site day in and day out, just playing free-to-play games. And that was really the objective that we tried to deliver against. Um, and then in other parts of the business, you know, we frankly introduced a lot of cross-selling activities. So we actually launched a FanDuel-branded racing product, and that's horse racing, to introduce horse racing to a whole new generation of fans. And the benefit of horse racing is it, you know, while a lot of races were canceled, it kept going even through the depths of the early days of COVID. And so we were able to bring a totally new product to market that met a need and delivered a lot of, a lot of fun to a lot of users. So it's that type of creativity. It's really been the hallmark of the team since COVID happened. So baseball is back, Matt. Um, shortened season, opening day was July 24th or 5th as opposed to like uh, March 25th. What is the demand in 2020 after the shutdown versus a year ago when the opening day came? I mean, baseball is off the charts at the moment. We've done a lot of promotional activities and advertising to lean into it as well. So you definitely had the pent-up demand, and then we tried to kind of accelerate that more just because we wanted to thank all of our fans who, frankly, entertained us and got sports through uh, and the sports ecosystem through the kind of the worst days of COVID. Um, And so we dropped $80 million into people's accounts and said kind of everybody's got 10 bucks to play free when baseball comes back. And so between kind of the pent-up demand and what we've done to – really engage our players we've seen off the charts demand i'm just wondering if the the betting let's let's put it this way there are two types of betting on FanDuel and, and others there's the sports book part and then there's the casino part it would seem to me the casino part would still be strong because yes there are uh, there's a lack of sports out there but the casino part would still be strong is that true yeah, casino's been strong pre-COVID. Casino continues to be strong. And that's both people coming in direct to play, just because, obviously, while a number of casinos are open, they're under capacity limitations and other things. So you have kind of the traditional casino gambler who's playing on our site. And then you also have people that are just looking for a quick hand of blackjack in between your betting on sports. So casino is definitely a business that's growing very, very nicely. So when you think about the the sports landscape and the the big four that you mentioned, Matt, I mean, walk us through that a little bit in terms of demand first, but then also how the way that the games are being played and where they're being played. I mean, we spend so much time talking about that, the, the logistics of everything, but I wonder ultimately how much does that affect your business? It's a great question. So I think from, in general, the way the games are being played doesn't really affect our business. Right. You know, if you look at sports betting, you know, we make this point to legislators all the time when they're debating kind of mobile versus not, you know, 90% of the market long-term is going to be mobile sports betting. It's not in the venue. And most times, you know, these are people that are not at the game. And so, most of our users are already sitting home when they're watching the game, and they can place bets the same way they can you know, pre-COVID. So 
the way the games are getting played doesn't really affect us that much. I mean, there's some stuff on the margin, right? The rules around you know, that baseball has in terms of how rainouts are going to get treated or how shortened games are going to get treated. That, that affects kind of how some of the bets settle, but that's more on the margin. It doesn't affect the overall experience. I think the big question that we have, it's just an unknowable question at this point because it's more of a football phenomenon, is you know, the social experience around sports is changing. You know, you guys know as well as I do, on an NFL Sunday, you're at a friend's house, you're gathered with family, you're at a bar, you're at the tailgate. You know, a lot of you know, football in particular is defined by the social ritual, and that's going to change, obviously, for this upcoming season and, and how that change affects our business and the way people play and the way people bet. And frankly, they're probably their desire to connect with their friends in a virtual way probably goes up pretty significantly. And so we're looking to do more things to connect people in a virtual way, recognizing that you know, from a social perspective, you know, it's going to be very different than it has been in years past. Matt, with COVID-19 just depleting so many state treasuries, do you think this will accelerate the legalized sports betting in some of the states that have been holding back so far? I think it does. I mean, you're seeing what people started to realize pre-COVID, you're two years, roughly two years into legalized sports betting. And the reality is most legislators kind of saw this as, Sports betting legislation and mobile sports betting legislation, in particular, is kind of common sense legislation. You know, it's one of the few things that can generate tax revenue, help protect consumers, put an illegal market out of business, and you know, have something that your constituents thank you for, which is rare when you're raising new tax revenues. And so, even pre-COVID, you had a ton of momentum in sports betting. Sports betting is certainly accelerating a lot of those conversations in the process at the state level because. You just have these big economic stimulus bills that are going through where states are looking for every bit of revenue that they can. Yeah, you know, I'd say the other thing a lot of states are now considering, and there's in some ways been even more acceleration, is online gaming. You know, people recognize that the casino business is going to be challenged for a long time, both from a kind of physical public health perspective as well as a revenue perspective. And the states have relied on casino revenues and taxes for a big chunk of their budget. And they need to find a way to replace that, too. And so, you know, we're optimistic that you're going to see a lot of, lot more states actually legalize both online sports as well as online gaming in order to maximize the opportunity that's here. It makes me wonder about the most important person when it comes to FanDuel or, or any other online sports betting site. The person has got to set the line. And I wonder now, because of COVID and because we're playing baseball in fanless stadiums, how much does that impact setting the line? You know, again, it, it impacts it less than you might think. You know, a lot of our lines are very analytically driven. You know, we offer more markets than anybody else. On average, there's probably two to three X the number of things that you can bet on in a game on our site relative to everybody else. Also, we keep a lot of our markets open throughout the game. So we have one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in-play businesses out there. And um, a lot of that comes from just a very analytically kind of big data-driven set of models. And then the traders are providing kind of an overlay to that. And because we're so data-driven, again, as long as we're getting the data feed, 
you know, we can trade the game and you know, move forward with the business, you know, kind of as relatively normal. You know, one of the things that we are trying to innovate around is actually improving some of those models in the upcoming season to actually give people even more opportunities to bet um, as well as more in-play opportunities just because we've seen such a demand for in-play that we really want to lean into something that customers are coming to, you know, seeing for the first time because it never existed in Vegas and really love straight off the bat. Well, Matt, let's talk about this. I mean, th- th- that a little bit more in terms of people seeing it for the first time. I mean, how have you seen your customer change, your audience change through the course of this? Because we know, I mean, I know personally, you know personally, everybody in this interview does. All of our daily habits and routines ha- have changed a little bit. I do wonder how you are getting to people, finding people, and what you're discovering about maybe some new markets and new customers. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think in terms of reaching people, one of the things that we've done a lot of is actually invested in our own content. We saw an opportunity two years ago to deliver high-quality kind of sports betting-oriented content into the marketplace. And we've found that that um, ability has really differentiated us amongst customers, and it's been something that people were seeking out. And one of the things that we had to adapt to your question about kind of reaching customers was when you don't have sports to talk about, you know, what, what do you write about and what should your content be about? Yeah. In that uh, window, we converted a lot to just, frankly, things that entertained. And so you know, we were out doing you know, betting content on the long tail of sports or other things that just kept people engaged. And so that's been one thing that we've done that's different is you know, continuing to invest in content but adapting the content for what's going on. I think in terms of what people are doing, yeah, I think we've seen a couple things happen in our player base. One is you know, more people tried online casino, so we talked a little bit about that. And then I think the second thing people have done is obviously experimented more with you know sports outside the big four, whether that's European soccer, whether that's the UFC, whether that's golf. You know, one of the things that we found was when you have kind of no sports on, if there's one event for the weekend, right, one UFC fight, one golf match, kind of everybody focuses on that. And so one of the things that we've kind of adapted to is leaning into those tentpole events on a weekend-by-weekend basis just to make sure we're talking about the things that people are watching, which is very different than you know, most of the normal sporting calendar where you might have two or three big sports going on at the one time and then a lot of little sports. So you can't really be focused on just one event. And you know, during this time period, we've been much more focused on what's the big event this weekend? How do we lean into it? How do we make it even more entertaining for fans? And out of that, we've done a lot of kind of creative things over the last couple of months. So, Matt, um, let's just say at the beginning of the baseball season, there's, there's an over-under for wins. And uh, I get the Miami Marlins, and I don't know, I picked uh, over 27. But they don't make it to the end of the season because they've, they've run out of their 60-man roster. What happens? Do I just uh, tough luck? That's the way the ball bounces? No, I mean, look, from our perspective, I mean, these are the types of permutations that you just never know what's going to happen. I think where it's, you know, things that are truly COVID-related or truly unexpected, you know, we're trying to do, you know, what we call bad beats, right, which is go back to people and say, look, you know, X, Y, Z thing happened, you know, wasn't in your control, and or it was just something that, was a new rule for this year, but pro- you probably didn't get it. You know, here's your stake back, or here's some promotional credits. Like at the end of the day, you know, we're playing 
the, for the long game. And we want to make sure our customers always feel like that we were fair and you know, to the extent possible on their side. And so where there are things that are just kind of bad beats, you know, we're going to lean into how do we just make it right for customers, recognizing that you know, that one futures bet you have down is probably one of a lot of bets you're going to be making throughout the year. So I want to make sure you feel good about things. And when the unexpected happens, we're going to err on the side of the fan. I'm going to preach just for one second when you talk about bad beats, uh, especially when you're in poker. And and please help me out here. And this is to the obnoxious poker players out there who just bully and belittle others because that's one bad for business. And nobody wants to see that. Okay, you got a bad beat and somebody beat you. You had aces and he had a pocket three and he caught a three on the board. What do people like you at FanDuel and others to police that so the bullies are known, hey, knock it off and quit acting like you're 12 years old? It's a great question. And honestly, we use a lot of different channels. You know, we obviously try to kind of survey it ourselves. We're always looking for feedback from players if they feel like there's bad behavior out there. And then you know, as possible or as we see opportunities where that's happening are kind of holes in our system, you know, we'll try to close those, right? So it's you know, sometimes that's you know, putting controls around what types of usernames people can register or what types of comments they can leave. So it's a multi-threaded issue because you know, similar to every other social platform or tech platform out there, you know, the people that are going to be you know, pains in the rear are always going to find new ways to be pains in the rear. So it's, a, it's pretty much a game of whack-a-mole. And you know, what we're focused on, exactly to your point, is just building the most positive community that we can. Um, and policing that behavior requires kind of everybody's input. Um, and then, you know, as we see patterns, trying to make the rules known to say, look, guys, this is okay, this is not. Because there are always some people that try to take advantage, and we want to stay a step ahead of them because we recognize it's got to be a great experience for people. So, Matt, I'm going to take you a, a little deeper into your resume, if I may, to, to have you opine a little bit on the future of the business. You worked in private equity for arguably the best-known private equity firm in the world, KKR, for, I believe, a decade. As you analyze this, I'm sure you can't help but sort of put on your private equity hat as you think about your business and, and the broader industry. How does this grow and change, and how does – the pandemic and everything else we're experiencing right now maybe change the trajectory of not just your business, but the overall industry? No, it's a great question. You know, it's, and I'll probably give you a little bit of context there. A lot of people assume that I got into FanDuel and fantasy sports because I thought sports betting was inevitable. I mean, the reality was I wasn't that smart. The, the reason I got into FanDuel was really an interest in kind of the intersection of the growth in gaming combined with the disruption that I thought was going to be inevitable um, in the sports media landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go back to when I joined you know, 2015, 2014, you had seen the disruption in music, you had seen the disruption in scripted TV, but by and large, the kind of underwhel- or the overwhelming viewpoint was that live sports was immune to that. And I think what the last five years have shown is that that's not the case. And so I think as it relates to your question about what's the outlook from here, you have at its core in the gaming side a real expansion of online gaming and a, I think a very easy path to 
you know, a 15-plus billion dollar total addressable market. And unlike a lot of kind of growth businesses, you know, that growth in TAM is kind of very linear, right? And know how big the sports betting market is in New Jersey. And if Massachusetts legalizes it, I can pretty much guesstimate, you know, how big Massachusetts is going to be within a range. And so there's a very clear path for growth in online gaming. And the other lens we look at online gaming is also just it's one of the few industries that has yet to really undergo that offline to online shift. And it's not about necessarily moving the same customers. It's about how you grow the market. So what we've seen in places like New Jersey and Pennsylvania is online gaming isn't cannibalizing land-based gaming. It's actually adding to the overall gaming market. Hmm. And so we think you'll see the next leg of growth in gaming really come from the growth in online because it's happened in every other industry out there. But then where I think it gets really interesting and the opportunity, the breakout opportunity lies is all of this is happening in online gaming at the same time that you're seeing real disruption in the sports media ecosystem and how people tune in, where they tune in, how long they want to tune in is really changing, as is the technology and the availability of sports in a streaming landscape and through streaming media and that, from my perspective, creates real opportunities because we have the largest database and user base of you know, millennial sports fans that are cord cutters and also have funded wallets with us. And so there's a real role we can play in shaping the next generation of the fan experience because the growth in our industry is really corresponding and to the exact same period of disruption in sports media. And that, I think, creates a real opportunity to accelerate the business even further and also put a, you know, have a big, play a big role in what the next generation of sports looks like. All right, Barr, you get one last question. Is the house degenerate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, I want to bring this up. I know that the revenues are going to be down this year uh, because of COVID. But, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier, if more states decide, hey, we want to have online gambling, too, because that's a great source of revenue for us to have in the COVID-19 era. It works well for you guys. I'll scratch my back and you scratch yours. Obviously, that can be a, a big revenue source for you guys to pick up from where COVID-19 left off. And your thoughts about that? Sure. So, yeah, I think two things. Yeah, I think one is, and you can see this in some of our publicly disclosed numbers, you know, post-COVID, business is still growing. Um, and so you, because of the diversity of our business, you know, we've been growing our business even through COVID. So I think when you look back at this year, you'll see that our business you know, grew at a very healthy rate, even with COVID. But you know, your broader point about online gaming is exactly right, which is we do think that there's a huge opportunity there. We do think that, again, it's going to fall into the bucket of common sense legislation where states are going to need tax revenue We've demonstrated to the existing casino owners time and time again that online gaming is additive uh, to the overall gaming market. and It's not cannibalistic. And you know, we can also demonstrate that this is something that customers want. And when you put those three factors together, we think that you're going to see you know, a significant acceleration in the growth of online gaming. 
Matt King, you're a good guy. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We know it's an important time for business, and we are all happy, and probably no one happier than you, that sports are back because it provides an entirely new view of the world and and one that provides us some sense of normalcy. So we really appreciate it. Totally agree with that. Thank you very much for having me on, guys. And uh, stay safe and enjoy the return of sports. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. You can catch our podcast right here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm Jason Kelly on Twitter. Find me at Jason Kelly News. And I'm Michael Barr. i got to get out of here because i got to bet on the Yankees game. I'm at Big Bar Sports (laughs) on Twitter. And Barr lost me at three in the pocket on poker. (laughs) (laughs) That was you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Mike Lynch. You can find me at Lynchy WCBB. And you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.